Should we be doing more to challenge the perception that cervical cancer is a young woman's disease? An analysis article looks at the rate of new cases of cervical cancer in UK mortality data and calls for awareness campaigns to target older as well as younger women and for the upper age limit of cervical screening to be rethought. I'm Navjoit Lada, analysis editor, and I'm joined now by two of the authors of the article, Dr. Sue Sherman, who's a senior lecturer at the School of Psychology at Keele University, and Miss Esther Moss, consultant gynaecological oncologist at University Hospital's NHS Trust, Leicester. Sue, hello. Hello. And Esther, hi. Hello. Hi, thanks both for joining us and for talking to us about your article. Um, so just to start with, can you set out for listeners, what's the problem here that you're putting forward in your article? I think the um, thing that really got us starting to think about the issue of cervical screening in older women was really having a look at the statistics. So the statistics um, show that 20% of new cases of cervical cancer in the UK are diagnosed in women who are 65 and older. And 50%, nearly 50% of deaths um, occur in the UK in women who are 65 and older. Um, And this is in the context where we have a screening programme which ends at age 64 um, in most of the UK. Scotland, it's currently 60, although that's coming online um, with the rest of the UK from next year. So that really got us starting thinking about um, if this was an, if, if, if these uh, figures were acceptable, um, if they weren't acceptable, what were maybe the reasons why they were occurring? Okay. Um, and you also mentioned that there's evidence to suggest that women over 65 present with later stages of cancer. Is that right? That's right. So there's been um, some research looking at uh, the ages and stages um, that people present with. And um, if I can just get the statistics in front of me, so 3.6% of women over the age of 65 are diagnosed at stage 1A, 19.9 at stage 1B, and 51.1 at stage 2 um, or worse. Um, whereas these figures are, uh, are lower um, for the worst stages for women under the age of 65. So they're 39.2, 30.5 and 19.4 respectively. So nearly half of women over the age of 65 are being diagnosed uh, with very kind of advanced disease. Uh, and also as a result of that, the majority of these women would need to have treatment with chemotherapy and radiotherapy uh, as compared to uh, a surgical treatment. So there is a, a benefit from a sort of from being diagnosed at an earlier stage in terms of the therapeutic options that are available. Absolutely, um, not only with the effect uh, on prognosis because early stage disease has a much better prognosis than advanced stage disease, um, but also the treatments that are required uh, in order to um, treat the cancer. Um, On the other hand, in the article, you cite some research by Castanon and colleagues that suggests that women aged 65 who have had regular screening with negative results have relatively low 20-year risk. So um, how much of an issue is this? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, This research by Castanon and colleagues does show a six-fold reduction in risk for those women that have attended regular screening between the ages of um, 50 and 64. But the point is they needed to have attended regular screening and to have had three negative consecutive smear tests. Um, What we um, see in the statistics of cervical screening uptake um, is the fact that um, we see a drop-off in women from age 55 onwards, whereby fewer and fewer women of that age group are taking up their offer to go for cervical screening. Um, And therefore, 
nearly a third of women of this age group won't be benefiting from the protective effect that these uh, three negative um, consecutive smear tests can provide. Okay. Um, Now, you mentioned the drop-off in screening uptake in older women. Do we know why this is? Well, we don't know for sure, um, and it's one of the areas that we um, want to conduct some research in. Um, But we have some suspicions. So um, one possibility is that it's perceived as a younger woman's uh, disease, um, one that isn't necessarily relevant to older women. And there might be several reasons why this has arisen. So uh, we talk in the paper about the fact that the very well-known Jade Goody effect, whereby following the death of the television celebrity Jade Goody in 2009, uh, we saw a a huge increase in um, attendance at cervical screening, uh, something in the region of 400,000 um, extra um, women attended screening who perhaps wouldn't have already done so, wouldn't have previously done so. However, the majority of those women who attended were younger women. Um, it would appear that that story didn't necessarily resonate um, especially well with older women. In addition to that, we do see from time to time these very tragic, fortunately very rare, but very high-profile cases in the media of young women who uh, develop cervical cancer and then die from it. And there are regular calls in the media for uh, the lower age range to be um, reduced, the lower screening limit to be reduced. We've also seen since 2008... Uh, sort of a promotion of the human papillomavirus vaccination, uh, which was introduced in 2008 for our young girls in this country. And, of course, the very fact that the uh, screening programme ends at age 64, we suspect might send out an implicit message that older women are no longer at risk, which, of course, isn't the case. Um, Looking at this from a woman's point of view, do we have any idea about the values and preferences of older women in relation to cervical screening? Um, Is it something that women want? Um, There hasn't been very much research or uh, indeed any that I'm aware of on this particular topic Um, and this question actually raises certain issues about um, whether women can give informed consent or not. There is, of course, um, a a debate to be held elsewhere about the value of fully informed consent in the sense that women need to be made aware of the risks and the benefits of attending cervical screening. Um, However, um, what we're particularly concerned about is that research suggests that women aren't um, aware of the risks of, uh, of not attending cervical screening. For example, um, we know that there are low rates of knowledge and understanding um, about the relationship between the human papillomavirus and uh, developing cervical, screen, uh, cervical cancer. Um, HPV, human papillomavirus, is responsible for 99% of cases of um, cervical cancer. Um, and, of course, the nature of the virus is such that um, you can be exposed to it when you're younger, it can lie dormant for years, and then it can be reactivated. So even women who are not currently sexually active um, can still be at risk of developing the disease. Um, and so although we don't know about the preferences of women at the moment, and again, we're hoping to conduct some research into what really want and how they feel about these issues, um, we're very uh, aware that more uh, education needs to be done of older women to make sure that they're aware of the risks of not attending uh, cervical screening. Okay. And kind of in light of all everything that you've um, said and raised in your article as well, um, how is it that we've ended up with an upper age limit of 65 for screening? 
Well, um, there are several things that may contribute to this. So the first one is the fact that back in 1988, when uh, the National Screening Programme was first set up, uh, the age, uh, the um, life expectancy for women was five years younger, uh, lower than it is now. Um, this may have contributed to it. Um, in addition to that, we do acknowledge that there are some uh, physical challenges taking um, an adequate cervical sample from older women as well and I'll hand over to Esther uh, to talk about this a little bit more. Yeah once ladies have been through the menopause uh, the lack of estrogen causes the tissues of the vagina to become uh, drier and technicality of actually reaching the cervix and taking a smear can be really quite um, more uncomfortable for uh, older ladies as compared to younger ladies. Also the number of cells that are needed for a smear test um, in order to have an adequate result, uh, it can be more difficult to obtain that number in older women due to the lack of estrogen causing atrophy uh, of the skin of the cervix and the transformation zone, uh, which means that it can be more difficult to get an adequate result. So with that all in mind, are there alternatives to these kind of currently practised tests? So at the moment, um, the... the test of choice for cervical screening is currently under review for primary screening. Um, so uh, the uh, test of the human papillomavirus is actually being piloted um, for use as primary screening um, in six sites at the moment. Now, um, what's exciting about this is that it doesn't rely on um, an adequate cell sample, as Esther just uh, described in the same sense, because it's actually testing for the presence of the virus rather than testing the quality of the cervical cells themselves. Um, and this uh, HPV testing also opens up the possibility of um, self-sampling. So there's been some research that's been conducted, uh, two studies that we ref re make reference to in the paper particularly, um, one in Canada where they compared um, self-sampling uh, samples, the quality of those samples with the samples uh, that were taken by, in a GP surgery um, and found them to be uh, reasonably comparable. So that is uh, very positive. Um, and the second piece of research which was conducted in France found that um, what they did was um, for women who had not responded to an initial invitation for screening, they sent half of those women um, a second reminder letter and they sent the other half an HPV self-sampling kit um, and they found a much better response to the self-sampling kit whereby women were prepared to take um, their own uh, sample which is done using a vaginal swab, um, return that in the kit provided um, and they then encouragingly found that for those women who were found to have um, high-risk HPV, um, they were then uh, engaged with the follow-up process and were able to receive appropriate treatment. Okay, so that is very exciting. I mean, pending, I guess, further research on the sensitivity and specificity of those tests. Because, um, I mean, anecdotally, one of the things that, as a GP, I often um, hear from women is that they would like to engage with cervical screening, but often the idea of the um, test and the process, it can be off-putting for people. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's, 
women are embarrassed to have this done. Um, it can be um, an uncomfortable procedure. Women um, can fear the, the, the amount of discomfort that's going to take place, which, um, as Esther referred to earlier, can be exacerbated by older age, the lack of oestrogen. Um, and so it is very exciting that there might be um, possible uh, new technologies or new tests in the future that would enable us to circumvent some of these concerns so that if women do want to participate in cervical screening, that they're able to do so in a more uh, comfortable fashion. Okay. Um, Now, in the article, you make the case that we should at least be thinking about whether um, we should be changing the upper age limit of cervical screening um, in the UK. Um, Do you think we have enough of an evidence base to do this at the moment? And if not, what other information do you think we might need? Right. So we really wanted to just get just to get uh, people thinking about what needs to be done for older women. It's clearly not acceptable that we have 20% of new diagnoses and 50% of deaths in older women. Um, we need to do what we can to reduce that. Now we don't have all the answers, and we're not suggesting that just increasing the upper age limit is the solution. Um, it's one of a range of possible solutions that we present, um, and. It may well be that it's more appropriate to consider increasing the upper age limit in conjunction with this new type of uh, primary screening test, the HPV test, rather than with um, existing the existing screening test that's used. Um, I think there's a lot that needs to be done, actually, as far as further evidence is concerned. Because we haven't screened women over the age of 65, we don't really have any data on screening women over the age of 65. Um, There's a limited amount, obviously, from other countries that might have had women engaging in the screening program. Um, But really, it's something that we do need to explore. We need to explore what women's attitudes are towards it. We need to explore um, what the feasibility would. As you said earlier, we need to explore um, the sensitivity and specificity of self-sampling tests. There's only two studies that we've talked about that have, have done that so far and it's something we would also need to explore. Um, so there are, there's lots of information around and research around um, older women that really needs to be um, conducted. Um, it's also worth mentioning that we, we even need to do more research on those women who are currently already eligible for screening and already perhaps in the screening programme to, to find out what their experiences are. Um, there's very, very little research that focuses older women in the screening programme um, and this really needs to be addressed. Okay, so lots, lots for us to think about, lots for us to do there. Um, Sue and Esther, thank you so much for talking to us today. Um, That analysis article, Cervical Cancer is Not Just a Young Woman's Disease, is now available on thebmj.com.